welcome to the Sundown Outdoors Predator Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Slim. We are here to talk all things predator hunting. If you're a predator hunter or wanting to become one, you are in the right place. On this podcast, we will talk with fellow predator hunters all over the United States about the gear and tactics they use to put more fur in the truck. And we are rolling here with episode four. Uh, on today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different today. Um, I have no guest, and this was just kind of struck by, I posted a little question on Instagram, you know, just reaching out, seeing if anybody had questions they wanted to hear answered um, on the podcast, and I was a little bit surprised that I got as many questions as I did, and I decided it might just be the best idea to sit down and uh, answer them. So I am just going to walk through the questions that I got on Instagram today, do a little Q&A, and hopefully you guys, especially you guys that are just learning or just wanting to get into coyote hunting, um, I'm, I'm really hoping this gives you guys a hand. So I am not a professional, and I'm not going to claim to be one. But I have figured out a few things over the years that I can share with you that have helped bring me some success. Um, I did do a video a few years ago walking through some of the stuff that um, has brought me my success in a lot of stands. Um, If you're a visual person, that may help. Um, I'll put a link in the description below to that video. If you do decide to watch that, I'm just going to warn you that... We call in a pair of dogs, and the guys missed them on the first shot, and I dropped the camera, and I ended up rolling up that first dog. Um, But it gets a little western, and the video goes out the window at the point where the first shot is fired. So (laughs) anybody who's been on many coyote stands uh, is going to probably relate to that. But just want to give you a heads up. But it does give you some... um, views of exactly what how I was set up exactly the way the wind's blowing um I go through some e-scouting on there um I mean it's other than the the actual kill shot itself it's uh it's it's all right okay so like I said um Q&A today I'm gonna answer some questions that I got on my Instagram I'm not gonna read all the questions that exactly that I got because I did get probably seven or eight that were the same question um so yeah that's what kind of told me i needed to do this right away is because it sounds like there's some guys that are maybe struggling and looking for some help so i'd love to have some guys uh being successful out there um if you're just starting in coyote hunting um, i think maybe the first few things that are important i would say number one is going to be your gun um i don't i think no matter what gun you have, I think it'll work. The only thing that I, I would say is just be confident with it, be comfortable with it, um, shoot it a lot if you can. I know we're in a weird world where there's not ammo around every corner like there used to be, so I know um, shooting may be more difficult for people than it ever has been, but if you can, um, shoot that gun as much as you can, you know, at at 200 at 300 at 400 whatever it may be but if you're just starting out i would say if you can shoot consistently 200 yards and in i I would think you're gonna you're definitely gonna kill a lot of coyotes yeah extending your range helps but i think just shooting those 200 yards and in dogs i think are are gonna be a majority of them if you're calling Um, especially here in Wisconsin, um, from my experience anyways. You know, I don't think it's as big of a deal um, what caliber you use, as some may say, especially if you're just starting out. I would take your deer rifle, your, you know, I would probably not recommend an AR right away, but, you know, they do have their advantages. If it's me, I would prefer a bolt just because you're not you're going to have a lot less malfunctions you know i shot a i shot a bolt for a long time then i went to an ar for a few years the only thing i ran into with an ar is it did freeze up on me some when it was really cold out so you know i did shoot a few pairs 
a, a few doubles with it. So there's an advantage that way, but I also know that it costed me probably four to six coyotes based on it freezing up, you know, and that's pretty frustrating. So I would uh, definitely take those things into consideration, but if I was, um, if I had to take one gun, it's going to be a bolt probably every time. You know, again, caliber, I don't think's a big deal. It could be anything from a twenty-two mag to a thirty-odd six. Anywhere in between, they all, you just have to know your range, be comfortable with it, and shot placement's going to be huge, especially depending on the ammunition you shoot. If you're going to shoot soft points or something of that nature, you're definitely going to want to be the front in the shoulder or towards the head especially the smaller calibers because you're definitely going to have trouble with coyotes running off. So I wouldn't worry as much about the gun, but I would say second most important thing is going to be your call. Whatever that is you decide to go with, that could mean $30 hand calls. You know, that could mean an e-call of some sort. If I had to give a recommendation, one of the questions that I got was budget, call, or e-call. What would I recommend? And I had to do a little digging. I have never thought about that question, to be 100% honest with you. I have used hand calls a little bit. I always carry one with me, um, just in case, and I have had to use it before. You just never know. But I would say... Any of the hand calls out there are going to be good as long as you can learn how to use them. That's the hardest thing with a hand call. I still see, I seen that, on, I, so I just went on to Cabela's, just kind of looked up, you know, predator calls just to see what's out there, what the prices are. And I see they still have the Randy Anderson Mastering the Art pack, which is like two mouth calls and a DVD for like $30. Honestly, I watched that Mastering the Art video like 25 times when I first started coyote hunting, and it is great. So I would not steer anyone away from that. Um, yeah, here it is, $29.99 on Cabela's, two hand calls, and a DVD. And Randy Anderson is one of the best coyote hunters of all time, so that I would never think that's a bad idea. Even if you had an e-call and you got that DVD, that would be helpful. I'm kind of just looking here on Cabela's, and I personally use a Lucky Duck Revolt, and I love it. It is amazing. It has a decoy on it. It spins. It rotates. It has different levels of volume. I have all kinds of sounds on it. Um, but it's expensive and I think if I was to recommend a budget coyote call or e-call I would probably get a lucky duck rebel and I would probably spend some money on sounds I would go to verminator predator calls I would go to predator tactics I would go to I'm one of those websites that has sounds, and I would purchase some sounds. I think that if you have the right five sounds, I think you can kill a lot of coyotes. I think that I use maybe 12 sounds majority of the time. Actually, I probably use less than that majority of the time, depending on the, year, on the time of the year, but I would say this time of year I'm using probably six sounds, six yeah, probably six. The other night, I killed in, like, six minutes, I think, and I only played one sound. But the thing about the Lucky Duck Rebel that I like is it has the decoy built into it, and you can put sounds on it. The decoy, I think, is very helpful. I know that's maybe a hot topic between who you are, um, I'm and again I'm I'm talking basically about daylight hunting here. So if you're night hunting, you obviously don't need a decoy. But 
I'm talking about the first hour of light and the last hour of light, I would have a decoy out because it takes the attention off you. And if you've ever called in a coyote and it sees the decoy, you know it and they, they will come more times than not. If they see the decoy and you're playing rabbit distress or some type of distress sound, whether it's a fight, whatever, if they see that movement, there's a lot of times that they will just lock onto that thing and come in. A few other calls, obviously Fox Pro. Um, I see there's an Inferno and a Fox Pro Patriot. Um, the biggest thing about these calls, to my experience, is that they are just not very loud. They do work. They have good sounds on them. They have sounds they are going to kill you coyotes. The only thing is they're not as loud. But I know people that have them I know people that use them and I know people kill coyotes with them so I would just it does limit you a little and you can't call in super high winds you need to be closer um things like that but I think that any of these things same with a gun you you know you just have to adapt a little bit to what you have just to make it work for you you know, obviously you can go all the way crazy up to the the Lucky Duck Super Revolt, the Roughneck, the all the Fox Pro X24, the X-Wave, all these create, you know, these five to $800 calls that are out there nowadays. They're all amazing. They all sound crazy good, but obviously it's a lot of money. So I would... I would truthfully I would recommend you get something like a like the Rebel or you know the the Fox Pro Patriot or the Inferno something something cheaper that will at least get your feet wet before you dive into spending hundreds of dollars on a new biggest baddest coyote call on the market. Um, because a lot of people I think go out there and just spend all this money and all this stuff and then they don't have any success and they say the hell with it I'm done so I would just recommend learning on a budget and especially if you really want to learn how to kill coyotes there is no better way than with hand calls because it's a little harder I would argue it's a lot harder but some people say it's a little harder I would argue that it's a lot harder and you have to be super, super, super in in tune with your setup if you're going to have, if you're going to hand call. So I don't think there's a bad, I I think that all of these calls can be, can be fine. Um, I just think that anytime you go into those cheaper calls, it's going to be hit or miss. Um, It may not last as long, um, but I do know that guys have them and they do work. So I would definitely get something in that range. If I had a recommendation, I would say the Lucky Duck Rebel would probably be a great call to start out with on a budget. I I looked around. You can get them for $135 to $150. Any big box stores or online um the other thing is too nowadays in the world of Facebook Marketplace and eBay and all these places that you can buy stuff, you know, I would encourage people if you want to get a nicer call and maybe not spend as much money on it, just keep an eye out in the off season, you know, come spring and through the summer and see what if and keep your eyes peeled and see if you can't find a good deal on a used one. After that, I mean you got your gun, you got your call. The, ne- the the next thing I would get and have on a stand is going to be a chair. Like a what I use is a is a turkey lounger. If you look look up turkey lounger on on Google, on Cabela's, on Shields, wherever you like to shop, you're going to find little four-legged um, you know, gets you just a few inches off the ground backrest that is one of the biggest pieces of of my toolbox um i love to sit in those chairs they're comfortable 
They help you sit still. They get you up off the snow. Um, they get you just a little bit off the ground and um, get you really comfortable for shooting. I think if you're not comfortable when you're going to make a shot, you're not comfortable on a stand, it really hurts your mental mental game. It can really hurt your ability to make a shot when, t- when the time comes. So I'd really, really recommend one of those chairs. Another question that I had was a, was about tripods. I am not a tripod guy. The only things that I have used the tripod for is turkey hunting in blinds where it's locked in and you don't have to move it. The thing that I find with a tripod is that you find yourself in so many odd situations when you're coyote hunting. All of a sudden, there's a dog swinging hard left or hard right, and you have to make quick adjustments. And a tripod, a lot of times, doesn't allow you to do that. <clears throat> you know, you could have... I've used, I, I know at one point in time I used, like, a Primo's trigger stick tripod and I where I could just set my gun on top and I could pull it off, you know, at, at will and and swing and make a shot but the hard part about a tripod is they're hard to move um to adjust you know in general so as soon as you have to take your gun off of it obviously you you're going to sacrifice a little accuracy so i'll be honest i'm not a tripod guy if you're a night hunter um i know almost all night hunters are using a standing up tripod system um and they spend big money on them and they live and die on them um that is not me i also sit down at night so you know i just am not a tripod person and i'll just flat out say that i would prefer a bipod and i've used shooting sticks i've used bipods i've used about everything under the sun and I can honestly say, ever since I switched to using a Swagger bipod, I have loved it more and more every time I go out. The thing about shooting sticks is you forget them, you lose them, you, you know, you find every excuse not to take them with you, you know, and then you don't have them. Well, if you have a Swagger, I have the Swagger Hunter 42. It's attached to my gun. It's a little heavy. But in the grand scheme of what the advantage that I get from it, um, it's it's the weight is not an issue. I have it on every stand. I have it when I'm walking. I have it, you know, it's always right there. If I see a dog, I throw it down. I can be I can be up and on it in you know <clears throat> ten seconds and be ready to shoot. But I would say anybody I would I would recommend a swagger to anybody they make the QD they make the hunter 42 I'm I like the hunter 42 I also have the QD that I have on my AR platform but I love the hunter 42 but I do have a discount code for swagger if you want to buy one it's not my discount code it's a discount code that you could message me and I, on Instagram I'll tell you what it is and it'll save you some money if you want to buy one. Um, I would definitely, definitely highly recommend it. It is definitely one of the most important parts of my tool bag. I I guess to answer the question, I know the question was asked about a, a tripod. Um, I guess if I was going to buy a budget tripod, I would probably buy a bog pod death grip. That's the only tripod I have an experience with. Um, it's, I think you can get one for in the maybe $120 range. You know, I don't know. Obviously a tripod is going to be more stable than, than a bipod. Um, but again, hard to move, um, difficult, hard to carry. They're heavier, they're bulkier. Um, I, I personally, if I was just starting out, I would, I would direct you to a bipod if it was me it's not a swagger i know harris makes one um again the only thing about a swagger is it can adjust a lot 
Um, it swivels. You can tilt it. You can grab legs and and swing. The first, the very first hunt I ever took my swagger on, coyote was coming in. Actually, funny story. I was sitting. I just got sat down. It was a morning stand. I was there was no snow. I was waiting for it to get lighter out. And I sat down. And I accidentally bumped a button on my remote and it started playing rabbit. So I played rabbit for like 15 seconds, turned it off and I just sat there. Well, sure as shit, a coyote came in during, and it was way too dark. Well, it came in like 200 miles an hour and it was to the call and then it spooked. So it takes off running. So I'm set up facing right at the call takes off run to the left as hard as it can run i grab my left leg of my swagger pull it out and i steamrolled that coyote run full speed right to left and just rolled him up right there and that was the very first hunt i ever took my swagger on so i guess you could see why maybe i like it so much but i honestly have you i used the the little wooden shooting sticks those work fine honestly i i i see no issue with any form of rest i shot a lot of coyotes off my knees rest sitting in my chair resting my gun on my knees i think there's a lot of a lot of ways to skin the cat but i think you just got to find what's what what you're comfortable with and just roll with it yeah i guess that that's that's all i got on the the, the tripod bipod um rest deal that's probably the route i would go i would go to the bi- the bipod route if I had to give you my recommendation. The one thing I mentioned kind of was was, was sounds. Um, if I had any e-call and whatever, you know, whatever I could afford, I would find a way to purchase some sounds. Um, if you aren't familiar with Verminator Predator Calls and Rick Pallet, um, I would get familiar with it because... He has some of the best sounds on the market, and I would honestly buy, uh, if you could buy a cheap call, buy five of his sounds, I think that you would definitely have success and have no problem. I would get something of, of vocals, I would get some distress, some fights, and you know, five sounds in that realm. I, I think you would easily have success. Yeah, I, like I said, feel like if you if anybody wants to know my thoughts on sounds, or if you want to hear some sounds that I would buy or use, or what I use, I you can always send me a message on Instagram, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, and I'll I can sort of give you my recommendation if you say okay, I want five sounds, or I want three sounds, or eight sounds. I would give I can give you. Um, what those sounds would be to me. It just totally depends on your application, where you're at, um, what what your intentions are, if you're night hunting versus day hunting, um, all those things. Okay, so kind of moving on. Okay, so you got your gun, you got your calls, you got your bipod, tripod set up, um, your chair, and now it's time to pick a stand. Well, Obviously, the very first thing is you got to have places to hunt, right? So, you know, whatever places you have to hunt or whatever places you can get to hunt, the best thing that I can advise you is that I would just learn everything you can to know about that place. You know, is there hunting pressure? Is there hunting pressure around it? Um, there's there's coyotes everywhere. I mean, any pla- anywhere that I've ever been there's been coyotes I would say it's not a question of if there's coyotes there or not it's just a matter of where they're at and where can you call them in so I would just I would if you can find out from your the landowners your neighbors your hunting buddies whoever it may be I would just you know, just ask some questions. Hey, does anybody hunt around here? Like, do you know of anybody? You know, drive around the area in the mornings and the evenings. See if you can see coyotes. See if you see hunters. See if 
you see tracks, you see, you know, boot tracks, truck tracks, anything. All this, all these things will help. Because a lot of people, I think, have this one spot to hunt, and they think, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to go call this spot, you know, every weekend or every two weekends, and for some reason I can't call anything in. Well, how do you know that someone's not calling that at other times? How do you know that the neighbors doesn't get called? Um, One of my favorite spots that I used to hunt and I used to kill two to three coyotes a year on, that spot I haven't called in a coyote in two years because now it gets hunted from seven different properties on the same valley and now I haven't called in a coyote there in the last two years like I said and I used to kill kill two or three a year and it was just one of my favorite spots so that happens and I hate to say it but I may not call that spot this year Um, I'm just not gonna I'm just gonna choose not to hunt educated coyotes if I can or I'm going to find a way, or I'm going to hunt them at night. You know, that's another thing that I I had another question about how do I decide whether I'm going to hunt the daylight or at night? Well, I would say if I'm dealing with pressured coyotes, I'm always going to choose night. Um, If I know they're pressured, if I know there's a lot of hunting in the area, if I know there's dog hunters in the area, um, I'm always going to take the night route. If especially if there's dog hunters in the area. Um, when I say that, I mean people that chase them with dogs during the daytime. And um, I'm always going to take the night route. I actually don't hunt a lot of areas that get dog hunted, but I know guys that do. And I would just, if it was me, I would get away from it or it's going to be tough. It's plain and simple. So the question was, how do I decide? Well, it's going to be pressure. It's going to be the weather. Um, if it's really frightfully cold, if it's like zero or below, I'm probably not going to hunt at night. Um, a lot of people, I think, have a false impression that the colder it is, the better it is. Well, that's not necessarily true. I used to think that way also, you know, people always say, oh, it's cold, they're going to be hungry, you know, whatever. Well, fact of the matter is when it gets below zero, you get into those 10 below, 20 below days, or most importantly nights, coyotes become very inactive at night when it gets that cold. You know, whatever it may be, everyone has their opinion. I know that I hunted for countless nights when it was negative 20 or more and I think we maybe killed one ever um, in that cold of weather Um, we just I actually talked to I can't even remember who it is anymore talked to a guy from Fox Pro once I'm like you know why aren't we having any luck and he's like well when it's this cold out they're just not out or they're not active at night he's like you're better off calling them in the daytime when it's this cold and I'm like, really? I never never knew that. So I learned that from uh, a guy from Fox Pro here probably six, seven years ago. But it's held really true so far for us. It seems like, you know, you get, you get below zero. Um, you get much below zero. It, uh, I do think, though, that single digits time is, is pretty prime. But then I think you get below zero and... And get into that 10 to 20 below zero range. I think that they definitely, they definitely are going to shut down a little bit at night. Anyways, I did shoot one one time when it was negative 24 out, but it was uh, about seven eight o'clock in the morning. Sun was shining. Um, I shot one at that time once. Um, so I would consider, I would take that into consideration when I'm thinking if I'm going to hunt daylight or dark. Um, the other thing that's going to decide daylight or dark is going to be if how deep into a place or how remote do I need to go. At nighttime, I'm my stands are drastically shorter walks, and they're 
in theory in the more in more open areas i would i like i love to go way back into places to hunt dusk and and the more even morning stands i try to choose to be less intrusive also because i believe in if anytime you're walking in the dark you have exponentially higher chance of blowing them out or them hearing you and spooking or whatever it may be um especially with the snow it, it it's very difficult to access things and walk long distances in the dark and and have success on a stand so hopefully hopefully that helps decide day or night um there's not many bad times to hunt at night other than if you have to go a long ways and hunt a remote spot i think is a poor time to hunt at night or if it's super super negative 10 negative 20 cold out okay so i'm gonna my my general rule of thumb with wind is if it's under 10 miles an hour i'm pretty excited about it if it's 10 to 15 miles an hour i'm gonna try to get somewhere low and out of the wind a little bit and if it's 15 miles an hour plus i'm probably not gonna go i just have not had success in winds higher than that um so i'm just gonna avoid those situations if i can I'd like to take a quick second to talk to you guys about Dark Knight Outdoors. As you guys know, Dark Knight Outdoors is partnering with me this year for the podcast, and I couldn't be luckier to have them join me. Just a couple of the things that drew me to Dark Knight Outdoors, uh, they will match match pricing. They don't have any sales tax outside of Illinois, and quick and free shipping, no credit card fees, and you get a free external battery pack with a quality mount to come with your purchase and not to mention if you use code predator podcast 23 at checkout on a thermal optic you're going to save fifty dollars so you're basically going to be able to price match uh, to the best price you are able to find and then save fifty dollars on top of that also if you're in the market for accessories uh, he jamie has so many different accessories down there dark night outdoors can also use the code PPACC23. So that's PPACC23 to save 25% off all accessories. So go down to the show description and look at Dark Knight Outdoors website and you'll not be disappointed. Um I think that I think that when I say avoid that situation if I can, I think you always have a choice of whether you want to educate coyotes or not. And I think that's a, I think a lot of people when they first start out, they just want to go, 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 go. You know, they pick a day, doesn't matter the weather, they're going to go. Um, I would just, as I've done this for, you know, 15 years now or whatever, I don't, I don't even know at this point, but as I've been calling coyotes for 15 years or so now, I've gotten my success to probably about a one in three, about one in three stands we kill a coyote, and that's in the daylight. You know, I think that a, a lot of people, if you want to raise your success rates, you have to be very selective on when you hunt and where you hunt and how you hunt them. Very, very important. I think a lot of people don't give the coyote enough credit. They're one of the smartest animals in the woods. And that nose is undefeated. A coyote's never going to smell you and tolerate it, especially around here. Every coyote's smelled a human at some point in time, whether it's deer hunting, you know, whatever. I would 100%. The wind is the most important thing to me, the wind and the setup. Okay, I'm going to prefer a crosswind or a what I would call a semi-crosswind. Like they went, the wind is quartering in my face, hitting me in the cheek, going over my opposite shoulder. Um, the only reason I don't go for a dead crosswind too often is because sometimes it's too much of a crosswind and sometimes it can screw you. But if I can get that 
just a little bit of a quarter into my face and blow, you know, right in between a crosswind and, and dead in my face. I'm going to be pretty pumped about that. But if I had to go another way, I would go with a crosswind in a perfect world. Obviously, there's going to be stands where you have to have it in your face. There's going to be stands where you have to have it weird. Um, I've even had stands where you have to have it blown at your back. If if you can't see where your wind is blowing, there's a very good chance that they're going to get around you. If your wind is blowing into cover that you can't see, they will get around you. If there's a low spot downwind of you that you can't see, there's a good chance they're going to go into that low spot. I think that one thing that you have to accept is that they, if they can get around you, they will. So you have to do everything in your power to avoid and and stack the cards in your favor so they can't get around you without getting without you getting a shot first. So I would definitely, if if you want to really increase your success, I think you have to quit telling yourself it's fine that the wind doesn't matter. Um, the I'm just gonna go sit here because I like this spot. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta change it. If you wanna kill more coyotes, you have to be serious about the wind in your setup. And if you wanna have repeat success, you gotta be very selective on when you call these places. I like to call my spots about two to three times a year. And a like the the spot I killed one the other day, I went in, I sat there for a half an hour before I, I made any noise. I waited till it was, you know, about 20 minutes till dark. Half hour probably till it's pitch black. Half hour till I can't see. And I started with a rabbit sequence. I played five minutes of rabbit. Actually, it was four minutes and whatever. But basically five minutes. Five minutes of rabbit, turned it off. And then I'm usually going to wait. I'm usually going to turn that off for three to five minutes. And I think it was like in that two minute mark of, of, of silence that I saw coyote coming. Well, I just let him come. I killed him, sat there for another five minutes of quiet. And then I just went and picked him up and I got out of there. I think if you're, I I do think that you can educate more of them. If you want to sit there and call now, if you have a suppressor, I would, I would definitely still sit there. But if you're not hunting suppressed, which most of you guys who are new to it definitely aren't, I would, I would just let things settle down. I would go grab your coyote and I would get out of there. Don't play any more sounds. Um, the way I look at it is the the least amount of sounds they hear, the better. Because now I think I can go back in there in two or three weeks. I can play different sounds. I can play my other sounds that I didn't get to play. And I think I have a very high success rate in that spot again. But I think if I sat there and played through all my sounds after that, I think the chances of me killing another one were very low. And I think the chances of educating them are very high. Um, and that's just not something that I'm going to do to my, especially to my good spots. I'm just going to, I'm just not going to take a chance like that. So I, I get in, like I said, I was kind of walking through my stand. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sit there for, I like the, I mean, 20 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes. Doesn't, there's no set amount of time, but I would sit there for, I would say at least 15 minutes before you're going to start making noise. I'm trying to think of how, okay. So I think that if you, you need to know, I would have a general idea of when you cannot shoot anymore. I would be done I would like to realistically be done with my what I what I plan to play with about 10 to 15 minutes until it's too dark to shoot so what I'm going to do I'm going to play like I said 5 minutes rabbit 3 to 5 minutes of rabbit 3 to 5 minutes quiet 3 to 5 minutes of another different rabbit 3 to 5 minutes quiet and during this, during these sequences, I'm going to turn the volume up slowly. You know, I might go up a few 
notches. Then then it play for another 30 seconds. I might go up a few more notches. I might go up a few more notches. And then I might slowly bring it back down over that, you know, and do that maybe twice throughout that, two or three times during that, that sequence. Um, I do think that that makes a difference because I think a lot of people just go out there and turn the call on, leave it on one volume. I think it definitely adds realism. And what we've noticed too, if you if you've seen a coyote come out and you're playing that rabbit, um, we've really seen where you when you turn that volume down, it can really get them to break and come. Um, so that's that's an that's another thing that um, I think definitely helps is it, it adds realism to your setup is just variation volume. Okay, so now I just played my two uh, rabbit sequences um, and. The other thing is you can play, you know, woodpecker, you can play ground squirrel, you can play prairie dog distress. Um, there's, you know, several oddball distress calls that I would not be afraid to use. You know, I've seen a coyote come just absolutely piling into a ground squirrel sound before. I think it definitely, uh, gray fox distress, red fox distress, um, they all can work at times. Especially if you're talking educated coyotes, I would definitely be more apt to use those off-the-wall sounds and those different sounds if you have them. Okay, so I'm going to play my two sequences of rabbit. Okay, then I'm going to probably give it like a five, a solid five minutes. And then I'm going to play a female howl of some sort whether that's a female interrogation howl whether it's just a straight female howl whether it's a female lone howl something of that nature I'm going to play a single female howl I would not play a, the only female howl I would be really not play at this point would be a challenge because that's more aggressive and we're just we're, we're working up to that so I would play a female howl. I prefer an interrogation howl, a female interrogation or a solo female howl, um, something of that nature. I'm going to give it a three-minute pause, three to five-minute pause, depending on how much time I have. Okay, this whole time I'm, I'm kind of have a mental clock going of how I want this stand to play out. The longer I can have between my calls, the better in my opinion because I think a lot of people just rattle through them so I'm going to definitely be more patient I'm going to I'm going to try to make sure that I have pretty good gaps between my calls and that I'm scanning the whole time in between so I'm going to play that female howl I'm going to give it 3 to 5 minutes if I can give it 5 that's perfect after that then I'm going to do a male howl answer again male interrogation male uh, solo male something of that nature it's to me it's like okay a female howled okay now there's a male here okay you're kind of building this stage okay now I'm going to give it another another three to five minutes and then I'm going to turn on pup distress and in my experience turning when, once that pup distress comes on like me and my crew that I hunt with Every, when I when that pup distress comes on, everyone's hands are on their guns, they're up and ready because that's usually the time where you're gonna get a hard charger if you're gonna get one. So I'm gonna play that I'm gonna play that pup distress for three three ish, four ish, I mean three to five minutes call it. And again, I'm going up in volume, down in volume, up in volume, down in volume. And I didn't say anything about volume on the howls, but the howls I'm playing loud because fairly loud. Depending on the spot I'm in, depending on how close I expect there to be a coyote, I'm playing them fairly loud. Because anybody who's ever heard a coyote howl, they are loud. So I would definitely play your howls louder, play your distresses at variation starting soft, and then work your way up in variation of the volume. Okay, so I just played, now I just played my three to five minutes pup distress. If nothing shows up during it, okay, I would not be concerned. 
at this point it should be getting pretty dark like you are on your toes because you have to be paying attention at this point I want it to be getting fairly dark okay and now this one to one to three minutes after the pup distress is over is when I see a ton of coyotes come in so just because you just played pup distress does not mean it's over does not mean you're not going to kill one in that silence after the pup distress has been when we have killed a ton of coyotes okay and if you are listening and you hear all these guys say 10 minute stands 15 minute stands whatever yes if you're hunting at night I completely get it if you're hunting anywhere west of the Mississippi I completely get it but if you are hunting in Wisconsin Minnesota Michigan Illinois uh, you know I'm guessing northeast Iowa even if you are hunting those states in the daylight and trying to call a coyote without any type of uh, thermal uh, night vision uh, whatever you are going to need to sit a little longer I'm get I would say so if you walk through the stand I'm gonna be there the other day I was there for 40 minutes and I killed and fi- I killed five minutes into calling well a lot of the times when I'm killing them it's an hour to an hour 10 but I might have only been calling for 20 minutes you know because if you go five minutes on five minutes off there's 10 minutes you go five minutes on five minutes off there's 20 okay now you just go you go through your howl sequences now you're 30 minutes now you're you're by the time your pup distress is over you're in that 30 to 40 minute range which is right where i like to be because a lot of the coyotes that i kill are coming in in the silences between the calls so i would really suggest just being patient Every coyote around here is educated to some extent, except for the pups, obviously. Yes, you might. Those are the ones that are probably going to come in that three in that first rabbit sequence, and that you know. But we're going through these phases. If you are, if you if you get the Randy Anderson mastering the art, if you go back and watch all these old Randy Anderson videos, if you watch, um, he he always talks about phase one, phase two, phase three. He talks about going from vocals to distress or to distress, and then his pup distress or however his order is. It's it's all three of those things. I think it's very important that you hit all those things in your stands: is, is distress, vocals, um, and then a pup distress or fight of some sort. Okay, so that's how I'm gonna do my evening set. If if I don't see anything at that point. I'm probably going to give it a five minutes, probably going to play a serenade howl um, and see if anything will howl. If anything howls, um, I'm probably I'm going to either answer them with a challenge howl or depending on what they how they sound, it's it's hard to say. Um, if if they're barking and howling, I'm definitely going to answer them back with a with a with a challenge howl and then I'm going to give it a couple minutes and I'm going to go back into a pup distress and a lot of times those coyotes will show up I think I think a big thing is if they if you do get a howl back at any point I would just try to analyze what if you if you think that was a male or a female and try to gauge their aggression um and then that's how I would again I can't really say what what exactly to do in any any given situation because everyone's different and you're going to have to hear some howls and be in some situations um to learn them if you again if you have certain situations that you've run into or something that you heard you want to know my thoughts you can again message me on instagram i'm happy to answer questions and give you my two cents so that's how i kind of run through my evening stand now if i'm going to go hunt in the morning i'm going to same type of deal I'm gonna go in super quiet as best as I can sit down I'm gonna sit there for I would like to sit there for like a half hour in the morning not make a sound and then as soon as I can just see my crosshairs 
I would like I would let out a female interrogation howl. So now I'm gonna give it about five minutes from that. Now I can sort of see. I can see in my binoculars. I can see in my scope. If anything's relatively close, I'm gonna see with my eyes. Now I'm gonna play the male howl, and then I'm gonna play pup distress. If nothing shows up, then I'm gonna play like a solo female, um, something of that nature, <clears throat> and then I'm gonna go to rabbit to finish it off. Um, you could you could do your female and then a rabbit and then come back to another female and then a male and then pup of stress I, I mean there's 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 different ways you can do it depending on what you feel might work what I find in the mornings is uh, it's kind of it's kind of a mixed bag but usually in the mornings it seems like they come in right away or they don't come in at all I guess the one we called in a couple weeks ago didn't come in until the pup distress at the end but I mean, you're always going to have your odd outliers and, and different stuff, but uh, I, I think a lot of times in the morning it happens quick because it seems like they're close. They're close by, and um, I think the the later it gets, the the worse your chances are. I'm done call. I'm usually done calling by, you know, 20 minutes after light. I'm pretty done calling. Um, I don't I don't call even after. I do one set in the morning, one set in the evening, that's it. I'm not going to call in the daylight, just period. I just think your your chances are low. I think you're going to call one in about one out of every 20 stands at that time of day. Um, I think you can. a lot of you are going to be in that 1 in 10 range if you're hunting prime time. Um, but if you get, if you once you get the hang of it, you know I think you're definitely you can get into that one to five, one and three range. Especially if your spots are good and you take care of them, I think you can definitely definitely get into that range. I had a question about e scouting and how I pick a stand in general. I guess to me the the things I'm looking for is just cover. Uh, and if I'm gonna go in and call a spot at dusk, which is my favorite time to go. I'm looking for the most amount. The more cover, the better as far as, you know, I want to be able to see. But, I mean, as far as where I can potentially call them out of, like how much cover is within three to 500 yards? I would say 500 is even far, pretty far. But let's say three to 500 yards. How much cover can, can I get within three to 500 yards of where I think I can call one in? You know, I think. The bigger the timber, the bigger the draw, the bigger the whatever it may be, the better. The better chances you have to call one in. CRP is killer. There's almost always coyotes in CRP if you have CRP. If there's CRP and woods and, you know, water, I mean, it's probably full of coyotes. Just be aware if you are calling places with wide enough creeks and rivers they will not cross them unless they're frozen or if there's something that they can get across but I would say more times than not they're not going to cross and more times than not they're just not going to come in because they know they can't come across um, so I would just keep that in mind if you're going to try to call places around water and if you do have frozen rivers or lakes or ponds they love to come across those um, they love to run frozen rivers, so I would always be prepared for that. So as far as e-scouting goes, I'm just going to look for the most remote, the most cover that I can find. Um, another thing that helps is if you have farmers that have dead piles and you know where they're at, there's almost 90% of the time there's going to be coyotes relatively close to that. Um, and yeah, me, people are going to say, well, they're not hungry. Why would you, you know, why would you be, why would you call by the dead pile? Cause you know, cause they're eating that, they're eating all that dead pile. So why would they be hungry? Well, they're not, but they're going to defend it. And you know, that's, that's why they're going to come in because they're going to want to defend it. So again, I would look for the biggest cover you can find any any terrain breaks, you know, like I said, CRP grass, terraces in fields, uh, creeks, p 
ponds, anything, any train features, there could potentially be coyotes. The more train features, the more cover types that you have, the better. And the bigger, the better, I think. So I would look for the biggest cover, the most remote cover. Get away from buildings, get away from houses, get away from snowmobile trails. You know, anything of that nature is going to hurt your ability to call them in in the daylight or in the, you know, in in light enough to shoot with a with a regular scope. Any of those things are going to hurt your chances. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if that's a great answer for the e scouting. I just don't have a. I'm just I, sometimes I will I will zoom out on my onyx. I will find the biggest piece of cover that catches my eye or the biggest timber and then I will just zoom in on it and find a way to get permission around it or you know find a a spot I can hunt around it and then you know, find a wind I can hunt it I just think the more wind the better like I said CRP is killer if you have CRP there's there's coyotes and CRP standing corn standing corn is a is littered with coyotes usually the more cover the better that's all i can say about that uh, i'm just going to kind of circle back here and see what kind of questions i have um the the, the only thing i'm going to say the last thing i'm going to say kind of about e-call versus hand calls the, the just the advantage of the e-call is that you can get away from it and you can really use your, the call and the wind to your advantage to to put coyotes right in your shooting or right where you want them so that's a huge advantage. Uh, if I was if I was hand calling, I would probably just call a little less, and I would use more pauses so I could just be watching more. <laughs> I got some funny questions. Um, you know, it it is tough and it's hard to learn. It takes a long time to learn. I I would say if you're if you're struggling, I the first thing I would do is try different spots. Um, I I would get away from wherever you were I would be very precise with that last last 45 minutes of light the first first 40 minutes of light and I would not call your spots outside of those um, just because those are going to be your best chances and best odds and I think that your, like I said I think your chances of educating goes up drastically outside of those times um, never blow your wind into cover. Um, if you can't see your wind, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah, other than that, guys, I mean, feel free to message me and ask me questions. I'm happy to help. Uh, you know, the other thing I would recommend is just try to tag along with somebody who knows knows something. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to proclaim or portray that they know it all and they kill them all, but <clears throat> there's not very many people out there that do, and... I've hunted with a lot of people in my life and what I what I can say is you can you never know what you might take away from each person. It's funny how every person might have their one thing that they know or their one sound that they use or it, it every person's different and you never know what you might be able to learn from somebody just going and tagging along. So I would I would definitely recommend trying to get yourself out with with other people that's the nice thing about coyote hunting too that i love is you know it doesn't matter how big they are it doesn't matter how old they are you know every coyote's a, a trophy and, and exciting to hunt so people are a lot more willing to let you tag along and, and take you to their spot um, just always be mindful of what's theirs is theirs and and go find your own spots to hunt so other than that, I don't think I have anything else. Like I said, I'll put a link to that video below if 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 seeing it visually helps you. Um, I do have that video up, and that's just a dusk stand, but it's a pretty textbook spot. And yeah, it's a good spot. I know I had people comment on it and say, oh, it just looks like a really good spot to me. Well, yeah, of course it's a good spot, but if you went and called it on the wrong wind, it wouldn't be a good spot anymore. So... I would keep that in mind and um, check that video out um, in the in the link below in the description and that might help you learn a few things 
quick and apply it to your stand and like I said message me if you got questions if you want uh, to know what's working for me um, whatever it may be just shoot me a message uh, I'm happy to help and answer questions I think I'm about done yakking I don't have any water in here and my throat's dry at this point so I will uh, peace out on that and I'll be coming at you again I hope everybody has a, a Merry Christmas and we'll be back uh, next week before the new year um, <clears throat> so everybody get out there and call in some dogs and send me pictures and I want to see your success so thanks for listening and we'll be back next week so until then shoot straight